welcome to the Activate Church Podcast. My name is Dylan, and we exist to activate the love of the Father in the hearts of today's generation, to mentor and disciple them to love God and love people. I hope you enjoy today's message. All right, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Let's see if I can get this off without making too much... Okay, there we go. Done. (laughs) Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. Y'all ready for Christmas? I got one. Come on, Nina. (laughs) Y'all ready for Christmas? Yeah? All right, good, good. That's good. We've uh, we've been getting ready for for Christmas for for quite a while. I think we we started our shopping several weeks ago. And, uh, and got some things done, but we're still kind of finishing up our preparation, you know? It's like we're not quite there yet. We've still got a couple days to go, a couple things to do, um, all of that. But I'm, I'm curious about what, what does it take to get ready for Christmas? Like, what are, what are your Christmas preparations? So I'm, I'm going to come down and just ask a, a few people, and I didn't pick, um, you know, people out, you know, beforehand, so this is kind of going to be putting people on the spot again. So, Harris, you're okay. You've already come up here, so we'll let, we'll let you go. Um, but let's start with Kiki. Are you ready for Christmas? You all ready? Yeah? What did you do to get ready for Christmas this year? Oh, you made a Christmas tree? Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, so you made a Christmas tree and all that for your mom. That's really cool. Okay. Um, Who else? Reese, are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, what did you do to get ready for Christmas? You decorated. All right, good. How many of you decorated for Christmas? Yeah, lots of people. Okay, good. That's really good. Lucy, are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, what did you do to get ready for Christmas? You put that on. She's wearing a Christmas sweater. Yeah, that looks... That looks really pretty, so I can see that you're all ready for Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. What about Coach? Coach Troy, you ready for Christmas? Yeah? What did you do to get ready for Christmas? Cleaning, decorating, and praying. All right, awesome. Awesome, that's really good. Cameron, were you good this year? Trick question? <laughs> okay. You, you were good, so, so you want to get maybe some good new guitar picks for Christmas, something like that? Yeah, that'd be good? All right, good, because that might be all you're getting. Um, so <laughs> for those of you watching online, welcome. Cameron is my son. He plays guitar, um, and so we, we might get him some guitar picks. I don't know. We'll see. But are you ready for Christmas, Cam? Yeah? What have you done to get ready for Christmas? You got gifts for people. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Mama Kari. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you ready for Christmas? No. Why not? What, what do you have to do to get ready? You want to say what? <laughs> okay, you got to make, okay. So you got to make food and other things and do all that. And make money? Okay, all right, good. Let's see, one more. Lily, Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, what did you do to get ready for Christmas? Whoa, 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 hold on, wait a minute. You got presents for people for Christmas? 
for me? Really? Oh, that's nice. Come here. Thank you. That is so sweet. Thank you, dear. Yeah, give her a hand. Isn't that awesome? Wow, that is so cool. Thank you. I'm, I'm just going to set this over here for right now, okay? I'll set that over there. And Wow, that's so sweet. You know, how many of us spend the time leading up to Christmas doing all of these things, right? We decorate. We make cookies. We put up trees. We buy presents. And we do all of those things to get ready for Christmas, right? All of us do, right? There are things that we do every year in order to prepare for the Christmas season. And this morning, the question that I'm going to ask and hopefully answer is, are we really ready for Christmas? Are we really ready for Christmas? You see, when, when Jesus came into the world, the world wasn't ready for him. The world wasn't ready for him. He was born in Israel. And Israel, at the time, was a country in political turmoil. They were being occupied by the Roman army and under the control of the Roman government. Their relationship with God had become a system of religious laws, not a real relationship with God. Their hearts were hardened. They lost faith in God's power to save them. Instead, the country of Israel at the time that Jesus was born was looking for a militant Messiah. A militant Messiah. Someone that could come in with his armies and overthrow the Roman government and bring a government to the country of Israel that was free from oppression by outside forces. They were looking for a militant Messiah who would save them from the Romans. But what they really needed was a sacrificial savior who could save them from their sins. That's what they needed, but they didn't know that that's what they needed. You know, and I think about the climate in the country of Israel at the time, and I think about how does that compare to the climate that we're living in today? A country in political turmoil, a country who is looking for a governmental leader to lead us into a better way of life, into a, a better way for our families, for our children. We're looking for government leaders to save us from the opposing forces, whatever side of any issue you're on. Our country is so divided right now. And it's this side versus that side, and it seems like no matter what the topic is, whether it's you know, politics or religion or race or social justice or whatever it is, it seems like there's a divide, like 50-50, like half of the people are on this side and half are on the other side, and we can't get together, and people are looking for something other than the Messiah. We're looking for the government, or we're looking for something else to do what only Jesus can do. And so, 
as we prepare for Christmas, as we get ready, I want to look at the story of Jesus' birth again. And our worship team, give them, give them a hand. They did such a great job this morning. Our worship team did such a, a great job reading the story of Jesus' birth and, and singing along to, to give us a picture of what it was like that night that Jesus was born. But I want to read the story again from a, a, another um, gospel. What they read this morning was from the Gospel of Luke, and we're still going to touch on that a little bit, but I want to I start in the book of Matthew. And before we do, I, I just want to pray and ask for God's blessing on the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. As we remember the birth of Jesus, as we remember the reason that you came to earth this morning. Father, I pray that you touch our hearts and that we might not just hear the story and sing the songs and have good feelings, but that we might fully understand the depth of your love for us, the reason that you sent Jesus to the earth. And so, Father, I pray that this morning our hearts would be blessed by the hearing of your word, Lord, that we might hear your voice and that we might respond. So, Father, prepare our hearts, make us ready to receive everything you have to give. Father, we long to meet you this morning. And we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. So that as Pastor said earlier, we might not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. And we, may we take this spirit of Christmas out of this room tonight and into our homes and into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our country, and into the world and share your love with those around us so that they might fully experience the true gospel true gospel that brings salvation only through your son Jesus Christ and it's in his name we pray amen so if you have your Bibles or you have the Bible app go ahead and, and open it to Matthew chapter 1 and we're going to start at, at the beginning in, in verse 1 but as as we read and as we look at this story, I'm going to be highlighting a few people that played key roles in this story. But we're going to read first, starting in Matthew chapter 1. Actually, I'm not going to start in verse 1. I'm going to start in verse 18. Chap uh, verses 1 through 17 is the genealogy of Jesus. So basically, it says who Jesus' father was and who his grandfather was and who his great-grandfather was. And it traces his genealogy all the way back to Abraham. Because what Matthew is doing is he's setting the stage so that people understand that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and of King David. And that gave him the rights of a king when he was born. He had all the rights to be the king of Israel because he was a direct descendant of King David. And so we're going to pick up in verse 18. He said, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been 
betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put away her secretly. So basically, Mary and Joseph were engaged. And before they were able to go through with the wedding and make the wedding happen and everybody gathered to celebrate their wedding, they were engaged and Mary got pregnant. And because of that, Joseph assumed she had been unfaithful. And so he was going to divorce her. He was going to end the engagement, divorce her quietly, and just go his own way. In verse 20 it says, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now when all this took place, that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took her as his wife, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the first people that I want to look at here are Mary and Joseph. Now can you imagine, put yourself back in this time, when the angel appears to Mary to tell her, that she's going to have a baby. And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> that ain't possible. That ain't possible. I haven't been with a man. But the angel says, don't be afraid. It's the Holy Spirit that has conceived this child. And you're going to be the mother of God, the Most High. You're going to give birth to the one who is going to be the Savior of the world. Now, can you imagine Mary's reaction at this point? Now, back then, in that time period, people got married really young. She was probably still in her teens. A young mother, unwed, finding out that she's going to have a baby, and that baby wasn't just going to be any old baby. Not that any babies are just any old babies, because they're all wonderful and special. But this baby, this baby was going to be the son of God and it was going to be her job to raise him. Now imagine you're Joseph. <laughs> Mary's what? Say what? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I ain't, I ain't doing that. I'm just going to divorce her. She can go do her thing. And then the angel appears to Joseph and says, no, 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 Joseph. You don't understand. You don't understand. There's a bigger plan at work here. There's a bigger plan at work here. Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is God. This is God. And it's your job, Joseph, to raise him as your own. It's your job to love him as your own. 
It's your job to teach him as your own. And what did Joseph do? Nowhere in Scripture does it say Joseph questioned the angel. Nowhere in Scripture does it say Joseph doubted that this was true. If it were me, just being real, I'd be like, are you sure? Are you, are you like, really sure? This is how it happened? Right? Some of you are smiling. I see the smiles out there. I know you're thinking the same thing. But nowhere did Joseph doubt. You see, when God speaks, when God sends an angel to speak, you better be listening. Because God has a plan that we can't understand. And so Joseph was a man of faith and did what the angel told him to do. And it couldn't have been easy. Because can you imagine, can you imagine trying to tell your friends and your family and what their reaction would be? Uh, yeah, Mary and I, I know we're not married yet. And she's having a baby. Some of you may have been in that position. And their reaction probably wasn't good. You see, the second group of people that I want to talk about aren't mentioned in the Christmas story. And it's interesting that they're not mentioned because I think they play a really big part. And that's Joseph's family. Nowhere in Scripture does it talk about Joseph's family except for this. In Luke chapter 2, it says that Joseph had to go to the city of Bethlehem, which is where his family was from. And so, in order to register for the census, they traveled to Bethlehem. Does anybody know how far it is from Nazareth to Bethlehem in Israel? Far? Yeah? I googled it. I googled it. It's eight miles. It is eight miles. That's like the distance from my house to my in-laws' house. I live in Elizabethtown. My in-laws, um, they wanted me to give them a shout-out, so hi. Um, they live about eight miles away in Hershey. And so it was eight miles. It wasn't really that far. I was kind of flabbergasted by that. I thought they must have traveled for days in a caravan and like the whole thing, right? No, it was eight miles. And when they got there, now I understand, they didn't have phones back then. They couldn't call ahead and say, hey, you know, we're coming, um, you know, prepare a room for us, like any of that, right? No reservations, none of that. But I can't imagine, okay, just to put it in perspective, I said Elizabethtown, Hershey, it's like maybe from here in Lancaster to Lidditz. I think that's about eight miles, roughly. But I can't imagine going from my house in Elizabethtown to Hershey, which is only eight miles away, showing up at my in-law's house, and my wife being nine months pregnant, and saying, we need a place to stay until we can register for the census, and my family turning them away. Or her family turning us away. I can't imagine that. It was only eight miles. The town where his family was from. 
I'm sure he had relatives there. I'm sure there were people there that knew him. People he should have been able to knock on the door and say, hey, can I stay with you tonight? Mary's nine months pregnant. We got to stay and register for this census thing. You know, one night, two nights maybe. And them turning him away. But they did. Joseph didn't have family that was willing to take him in because they were too concerned about their reputation and the shame that may have come with taking them in. But God has bigger plans. God has bigger plans. So Joseph goes to the inn. Okay, Mary, if if we can't stay with my relatives, let's get a room in a hotel. Let's go to the inn. So they go to the inn, and the innkeeper is the next person that I want to look at. Says, sorry, there's no room. We're full. But my wife, <laughs> my wife's nine months pregnant. Can't you just, like, give us a room? Just, you know, let us, let us sleep in the lobby, like something, right? No, there's no room. But maybe you can go out with the animals out in the barn. Actually, back then it was probably more like a cave. So you can go and stay in the cave with the animals. The innkeeper was probably someone who was more concerned with his own personal wealth, his business. My hotel is full, I'm busy. I got things going on. Go out there with the animals. I don't want to be bothered with you right now. He didn't understand that the baby that was on the way was the future king of Israel. He didn't understand the position that he was in where he could have received royalty into his home. He wasn't willing to give up a room for them. I was doing some research on, uh, on this message this week, and as I was studying, I came across a story about a, uh, a nativity play, you know, that the kids put on about the story of Christmas. And the kid that was playing the innkeeper, he was like the biggest kid in the class, right? Uh, and they wanted somebody who was like really strong, um, you know, to play the innkeeper and, and make the innkeeper seem like really mean and all that, right? And so it came time for Mary and Joseph to, you know, knock on the door and the innkeeper to, to come out and say, there's no room here. And so the, the little kid that was playing the innkeeper opened the door and Joseph asked if there was a room and the innkeeper said, there's no room, we're all full. And then there was a pause. And he forgot his next line. His next line was, be gone. And there was this pause. And the kids started to cry. And Mary and Joseph were standing there waiting for the line and like looking all sad and all of that. And the kid felt bad and he said, you could have my room. I know, right? Isn't that awesome? But yet, the innkeeper in this story wasn't willing to give any room 
to Jesus. Wasn't willing to give any room to a family about to give birth to a baby. The innkeeper was too concerned about his personal fortune, his business. He was too busy or too concerned about himself to make room for a pregnant mother. I want to pick up reading again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where Christ was to be born. I'm going to stop there. So here we have magi, wise men, probably wealthy probably very influential people. We don't know if they were actually kings. We, we sing about we three kings and all of that. We don't know if they were kings from other countries, but they were obviously well off to be able to afford this kind of trip to another country. But they were wise men because they knew about the prophecies concerning the Messiah. The things that prophets had foretold about this Messiah that was going to come to Israel. This king that was going to be born. And when they saw the star, they realized this was it. This was the sign that this new king was going to be born in Israel. And so when they saw the star, they set out to take gifts and to worship him. As wealthy men, as wise men, possibly even kings from other countries, they recognized that there was one that was being born that was even greater than they were. And they went to worship him. And when they got to Israel, they found King Herod. And they probably assumed, because Herod was king, that this was his son that was going to be born, right? Because that's how kings usually come, from a, a line of descendants. And so they assumed that it was going to be Herod's son, that they were there to worship. But Herod's like, no, it ain't me. And so he gathers together all of his people, all of his religious leaders, all the, the priests and the scribes and the rabbis and everyone that's supposed to understand the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And he says, where is this Messiah going to be born? And they tell him Bethlehem. So Herod sends the Magi to Bethlehem from Jerusalem. And he tells them, when you get there, when you find the baby, come back to me and tell me where I can find him as well. <laughs> Why do you think he did that? The Magi... Or the, the scribes that Herod asked said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea is where he'll be born. For it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler 
who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go make a careful search for the child, and when you found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. You see, Herod didn't want to go and worship this new king. This new king was a threat to him. It was a threat to his position. It was a threat to everything that Herod held dear. His title, his position, his wealth, his riches, all of it. So what Herod really wanted was to find the baby and get rid of him. And so Joseph arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, for that was what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and it might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And then when Herod had saw that he'd been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its um, areas. From two years old and under, according to the time which he ascertained from the Magi. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he arose and took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he departed for the regions of Galilee, and came and resided in a city called Nazareth that what was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. And so, it's interesting that Joseph was contacted by an angel in a dream, not once more, but twice more. And Joseph, again, didn't question when the angel told him, go to Egypt, flee to Egypt, because there's someone that is out to destroy the baby, he didn't question. He picked up his family and he moved. 
when God spoke, Joseph listened. And he stayed in Egypt until God spoke again. And when God spoke again through the angel telling him it was safe to go back home, he picked up his family and he went back to Israel because God had a bigger plan. The birth of Jesus was not an easy thing for Joseph and Mary. It wasn't easy. Can you imagine raising God? What would that be like as a parent, right? <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I told you not to do that. But mom, but dad. Not that he was ever disrespectful, not that he was ever disobedient, right? But remember when Jesus got lost when he was 12 years old and he was in the temple teaching? And Mary and Joseph like came to find him in the temple because he had been missing? And Jesus says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? God had a bigger plan. And this is the true message of Christmas. And this is what I want to get to. God's plan from the beginning was that he was going to come to earth. He was going to put on flesh and bone. He was going to become human. He was going to become like us. Because from the beginning, when God decided to create man, and he created man in his own image, he gave us a free will. And it took me a long time to understand this about free will. Because I often would wonder, why couldn't God just make us so that we didn't sin? Right? Why didn't he create Adam and Eve so that they just didn't sin? And then the world wouldn't have death. We wouldn't have all the bad things that are going on. Everything that is a result of sin. I mean, think about every bad thing that has ever happened in your life. Every bad thing. I guarantee you, when you trace it back to its root, it's either a result of someone else's sin against you or your sin against somebody else. Or, the third thing, it's the consequences of the sin of Adam. Because that's when death came into the world. So it's one of those three things. But the reason, the reason that God gave Adam a choice to choose him or not to choose him, to follow him or not to follow him, to obey or to disobey, was so that man could fully understand the depth of God's love for him. Can fully understand how much God loves you. You see, if Adam didn't have a choice, and he was just robotic, doing everything that God programmed him to do, it would be like us programming a computer. There's no emotion, there's no feeling, there's no love. You're just doing what you were programmed to do. I originally, I used to think that understanding God's love for us 
meant that we had a choice to choose to either love him or not love him. We have the choice to love him or not love him. That's our choice. We do have that choice. We have that freedom. God gave us that ability to choose whether or not we are going to follow him or not. But what made a difference in my life was not me understanding that I had a choice to love God. When it really clicked for me was when I understood that the reason God gave us a choice to choose him was so that we could fully understand his love for us. Because the only way, the only way for us to fully understand God's love is through his sacrifice of his only son. And so God knew from the beginning that if he gave man a choice and man could choose whether to love him or not to love him, that man was going to make the wrong choice. Not that God allowed it, not that God willed it, but God knew. And he gave man the choice to follow him or not follow him, to obey or disobey, to love him or to turn your back on him. And because man made the wrong choice, because Adam sinned, and sin came into the world and death through sin, so the Bible says, so through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, so through one man, Jesus. We could be reconciled to the Father. You see, God loved us so much, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. That means God loved us so much, he wanted to be with us forever in heaven. And the only way to do that was to send Jesus to earth, to die for our sins, to pay the penalty for our bad choices. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. The fact that God loved us so much that he was willing to become human. He was fully human. When Jesus was born, he was born as a baby. And he grew, and he learned, and he, you know, he learned to be a carpenter. I don't know what kind of special abilities when you're God and you're like learning something from your father, Joseph, right? I have no idea. But he grew. It says he grew in stature and in favor among men. So Joseph probably taught him everything he knew about carpentry. We know that Joseph was a faithful man. We know that Joseph was a consistent man. We knew that Joseph was a man who followed after God. We knew that Joseph is a man who heard the voice of God. We know that Joseph was a man who was stable, but we also know he was probably, like I envision him as the strong, silent type, because there's not a lot said in Scripture about Joseph outside of these few chapters regarding his birth. But yet, later in the Gospels, we know that people referred to Jesus as the carpenter's son. So Joseph must have had a reputation of being a father to Jesus and a reputation of being a carpenter. Probably you know, somebody who worked with his hands, probably a hard worker, strong, silent type that raised Jesus as his own. And he was a man of faith. And God's plan from the beginning, as I said, was to save us, to save you and I. Jesus could have been born a king. Instead, he was born in a 
stable, a cave. He could have been attended to by servants. Instead, he became a servant to all of us. He could have been wrapped in the finest clothes, but instead he was wrapped in cloths. He could have been attended to by angels, but instead he was attended to by shepherds. Jesus could have lived a life of luxury. Instead, he lived a life of ministry. Jesus could have saved himself when it was time to go to the cross. Instead, he died to save you and me. So God's plan was so much different than what our plans are. And so I ask you again this morning, are you ready for Christmas? Is your heart ready to receive the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the suffering Messiah, the Savior of the world? Are you ready to receive Him into your heart today? I want you to think about the greatest gift that you've ever received at Christmas time. Take a second. Think about it. What's the greatest gift you have ever received at Christmas time? I'm going to show you one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received. Yeah, this is it. This is one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. Cameron got this for me when uh, he was probably, I don't know, four or five years old, right? This is, this is the, the mean elf from Rudolph, right? A dentist? You want to be a dentist? That's, that's this guy. I don't remember what his name is, but that's who he is. So anyway, Cameron gave me, Cameron gave me this elf on Christmas, and he was so proud because he picked it out himself. And I asked him, I said, well, why did you pick this guy out? And he said, because he looks just like you, Dad. Does he? You think? Yeah? I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe there is a resemblance there, isn't there? <laughs> but this, Lily, you have your hand raised. You think it looks like me? Yeah? Okay. Do you have something you wanted to say? Yeah? What's that? Oh, you want me to open my present? <laughs> Lily, um, I, I would love to, but there's a lot of people here, and we don't have a present for everybody, so I'll open it later, okay? This present is for everyone? Oh. Okay. All right, I'm going to take your word for it. This is special, right? Yeah? So I got to share this with everybody? Yeah? Huh. Lily, who is this? Jesus? Jesus. 
the greatest gift that was ever given to the world. For God so loved the world. God so loved you. God so loved you, Mike. God so loved you, Robert. God so loved you, Nikki. God so loved you, Caitlin. God so loved you, Troy. God so loved you, Bria. God so loved you, Gio, that he gave his only son, his one and only son, the most precious gift that he could give. He loved you so much, he sent this baby into the world to die because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He loves you so much, he was willing to let his only son die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, are you ready to receive him? Are you ready to receive him this Christmas? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O oh God, we thank you, God, for your deep love for us. We thank you, Lord, that even when we have plans for our life, your plans are so much greater. We thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to this world. We thank you that he came, Lord, and took on flesh and bone. So that he could understand everything. Every struggle that we go through is not foreign to him. Lord, he was like us in every way but without sin. And so, we thank you for your gift of Jesus. We thank you for your gift of love. We thank you for your gift of grace. We thank you for your gift of mercy. We thank you for your salvation. If anyone is here this morning or watching online, and you've never accepted God's free gift, of grace and mercy and love, and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, and you'd like to give your life to him today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Father, I've messed up in many different ways in my life. I've sinned against you. But Father, I thank you that Jesus came to this earth to pay the penalty for my sin. I thank you that you loved me enough to provide Jesus as the means of my salvation. And so today, I accept 
Jesus' penalty in my place. Father, I invite you into my life. I give my life to you. I confess my sin. And Father, today, I begin a new life by the mercy that you've shown. I thank you for forgiving my sins. Father, help me. Help me to become more and more like Jesus every day. And help me to follow him wherever he leads. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, Jesus is the greatest gift you could ever receive. So this Christmas season, as we go about all the preparations, all the decorations, and all the cookie making, and all the present giving, I pray that we all take time to think about the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came to give his life in our place. If you're watching online, I want to thank you for joining us and invite you to come and, and join us live. Go to activatelancaster.com and register for next week's service. Our services begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday uh, here at 205 South Queen Street. So we uh, encourage you to go on and register and join us live next week. And we wish you a very merry and blessed Christmas.